For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Steve Berman, who covers the Oakland Athletics for The Athletic, about the outlook on the rundown Oakland A's. They decided to dismantle this team this offseason. Both Matt Olson and Matt Chapman traded out of town, and then Sean Manaya and Chris Bassett were both traded out of the rotation. Sean Manaya goes to San Diego just last week, and Chris Bassett out to the New York Mets. The A's are going to have a bunch of new names and faces that fans, if they're showing up, will have to get accustomed to. All things we can talk about with Steve Berman, who joins me next. Today is Monday. April 11th. It's my pleasure to welcome back to the update Steve Berman. He covers the Oakland A's for The Athletic, and he's filled in for me here on the update. Steve, what's going on, man? Happy baseball season to you. How you taking in the early days of baseball? You enjoying so far? Absolutely. I'm just happy that actually baseball's happening. We yeah. talked about this off the air. Uh, we were expecting baseball to start in June, maybe July, maybe even later. So the fact that starting in April is perfect for us. I hate to, to start it off with like a – I don't want to rip on the A's organization or anything. I no, know, go I ahead. Fans, <laughs> I know fans are very upset. I feel bad doing so sometimes because I really do feel for the A's fans, man. Baseball is all about falling in love with your team, having guys that you get to watch every single day for six months, and then beyond that, getting to do it for years at a time. And that's clearly not the case with A's fans for the last really like two generations. Tell me what A's fans have to be excited about or to look forward to this year. Who's the player? Who's the guy? What's the storyline? And you're excited to follow. Yeah, I actually, because of what you described and how hard it's been for A's fans, I didn't want to just come in with another just death blow with my season preview. <laughs> so I came up with uh, 10 reasons to pay attention to the A's this season. And I will be completely honest, I had to rack my brain for this one. It wasn't that easy to find <laughs> 10 reasons to watch this team just because the A's have systematically taken away several players that were the best players to watch on this team or not signed guys who were fun to watch last year. So, yeah, I, I looked at it from that perspective. I started off with Sean Murphy just because he's been just absolutely crushing in spring training. And he's always looked like a guy who could be one of the best catchers in baseball. And I think defensively, he's already been that. And he's shown flashes offensively. But he's in like 500 in spring training and not striking out either. So he's a guy who actually had a collapsed lung coming into spring training last year. So the fact that he played a full season is actually pretty amazing. And I think I'm just guessing that that might have had something to do with his down offensive numbers. So he's the first guy. And then also just kind of following the younger dudes who are coming out of the team. Christian Pastier, pretty much like gold glove center field defense. The bat is not there yet, though, so it's kind of it's just gonna be kind of interesting to watch and see if he can figure out how to hit at the major league level because he's gonna get chances. There's a lot of guys on the on the team that are kind of borderline major leaguers at this point who are young. The one that I'm most interested in to watch though is probably Nick Allen because his shortstop defense we've been hearing about for gosh a couple of years now at this point. And he got sent down, I think, probably a service time situation, too, because he could definitely start shortstop on this team. Elvis Andres is not the guy he was back when he used to kill the A's when he was the Texas Ranger. So I think Nick Allen's going to get called up at some point relatively soon. And watching him at shortstop and Pache in center field, yeah, it's defense and obviously offense is kind of what sells tickets. But those guys are going to be pretty fun to watch this year, I think. 
they did get some some lower minor lower level minor league guys in a couple of those trades uh, for Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. But Christian Pache, as you mentioned, he was at the big league level last year, the number one prospect for the Braves. And you're right, he did struggle uh, with breaking balls at the big league level. So we'll see if he can make that adjustment. But it should be fun to watch him play some outfield over at uh, the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, talk to me more about what happens with the rest of this rotation. I know they kind of patched it together because they've they've made some moves here. Shamanaya gets shipped out to uh, to San Diego. Is Frankie Montas still a guy who's on the block, and would you anticipate he just gets traded when, when somebody goes down uh, on another team and is looking to, to make a move, or is he a guy that they hang on to around deadline time? Seems like now the fact that he was still on the team, you know, leading up to the season tells me that he's going to be around probably until the deadline. I think the A's probably listened on him. I know for a fact that the Twins really wanted him. When they signed Chris Archer, the Twins, I think that was sort of a little message that they didn't really want to pony up to what the A's were asking for. And the A's knew that this is the guy that maybe, other than Matt Olson and Chapman to a certain extent, had the biggest asking prices because he has another year of arbitration. He's only making $5 million this year. And for my money, like when I was, I started covering the team as the full-time beat writer back uh, last June, Montas was the most dominant pitcher I saw in person in the American League last year. Agreed. Yeah, he was good. He was incredible. I mean, granted, when Jan Gomes started catching him and kind of became his personal catcher, it was when he really took off. His stuff is so good. I mean, when you're throwing 97, 98, 99, and then that splitter is just disgusting. He's a guy who I think that the A's realized that, yeah, we could have dealt him before the season and gotten some nice stuff. But at the deadline, that's when the contending teams are going to be super desperate and be like, okay, well, if we get a guy who's a number one, number two starter, then that puts us over the top. And they might give up just a ridiculous amount, especially because he's under control for another year. I definitely think they're going to trade him at some point, but they weren't as desperate to because I think mostly, and this is kind of a sad state of affairs here, he was making the least of all those like really good arbitration eligible guys. All the other ones... Bassett, Chapman, Olsen, Manaya, we're all in the 10 to $12 million range, and Montas is only making five this year. The timing of a lot of these trades have been interesting because you point out it's not like these guys were all pending free agents. And in the past, I, I think that's what's been more understandable about the way the A's went about things. Like, you go back to the the original Moneyball years, right? Giambi comes off the books, and it's not just that they flipped him and, and let him go. They just let him walk away. And maybe that stings a little bit in some regard or in some element where you go, okay, we should have gotten something for this guy, but you were a contending team. And now it's like they're breaking down and, and unloading guys before they even have to. You could have made another run at it with Marcus Simeon for a couple of years and it wouldn't have cost you very much money you could have gone after it again these last two seasons with Chapman and with Olsen or even one more year a year and a half and see what happens and then trade him at the deadline but they've decided to go out and retool and rebuild right here and right now do do you understand what I mean like it it seemed like they used to go about it a little bit differently and even even back then they handed out a a 60 plus million dollar contract to uh, to Eric Chavez but now the A's remain I think one of the four teams who have never handed out a 100 million dollar contract The Chavez contract is still the biggest overall dollar amount that they've ever handed to anyone. And that was in the mid 2000s, $66 million. So that, that, that tells you a lot. You know, we all know about the whole Moneyball ethos and people are tired of hearing about Moneyball and we all know how they sort of operate, but they also seem like they get burned and then react kind of emotionally. So the Chavez contract didn't work out. So they're like, we're never going to do that again. We're never going to sign anyone to a big deal again. 
I think last year I kind of saw that I can it was palpable. So they 2020 was the year that they should have won the World Series, to be honest. Like they 2020 COVID smashed them like everybody else. And it was a shortened season. They did make it to the playoffs, but playoffs are a crapshoot. But that team was stacked, like super stacked. So they go into 2021 a little bit weaker because they decided for some crazy reason not to give the qualifying offer to either Simeon or Liam Hendricks. Hendricks was not a surprise. I think not giving the qualifying offer to Simeon was actually upsetting to Billy Bean. At least that's what Bill Madden of the Post reported or the Daily News reported. So at that point, they knew that they were good, but not as good. And then they decided to fortify the team at the deadline with a bunch of additions. All of them are actually were good. Harrison was good. Marte was one of the most fun players to watch in all of baseball last year. Gomes actually helped out quite a bit. And Andrew Chafin was maybe their best reliever after they acquired him. But it didn't work out in terms of wins and losses. And you could tell they sort of went back in their turtle shell afterwards. Like, all right, we tried. We did all we could. The fans didn't come out to see him. The team didn't win. So obviously this team is broken and we need to go back and fix it. And not just fix it, but, you know, dive the payroll down to the $30 million range, which is pretty ridiculous. I mean, I, I saw a tweet from Joel Sherman of the Post uh, the other day saying, well, the Mets are a little touchy about hitting the $300 million mark for their payroll. It's like the, the, the A's, the, the A's and Orioles uh, and uh, the Pirates are all the $30 million range. So it, yeah, ba- baseball is weird. The fact that there's no salary floor because the owners won't agree to one unless there's a hard salary cap is just absurd to me. Yeah, it, it, I believe there needs to be a salary floor because you get guys like John Fisher here who just take it out of the community pot, and uh, and he's not spending any money. I mean, you, you mentioned the Mets. Max Scherzer has a, a higher annual salary now than three different franchises. The A's are one of them. And the other thing is, the other note that I saw was the A's now have a payroll in the, I think they're at $33 million or $32.5 million, something like that. It's the exact payroll they had in 1991 when they were the richest or most expensive team in all of baseball. So talk about inflation uh, or not, $30 million is $30 million, and that's what it costs to get a good player in today's game. So, uh, hey, just one more thought for you uh, on the way out. Uh, I saw the over-under for the team. Is it 66.5 or 68.5, something like that? I don't have the A's as being that bad just because I buy into their competitive nature. I buy into their ability to develop talent. And I think that oftentimes teams surprise you or pieces and players end up performing better than you think. I don't think this team has like 110 loss Arizona Diamondbacks written on it. I think they're probably closer to like a 72 win team. Where do you come down on maybe their final win total? Gosh, that's a good question. I keep seeing that over under go down. I mean, it was 71.5 just like last week. So maybe the Mania trade switched that down to 68 I think and it half. dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. Pakoda has them, at, I think, 65.4 as their projection. Is it 65 or 66.4? And so. I don't know. I, I, I usually err on that side that you are where it's the A's. They always blow these projection systems away and these predictions away and outperform because really, I mean, no one's paying attention to them and no one gives them any credit. This year, though, they really don't have any big league talent to speak of. I mean, other, other than a couple guys, I mean, you're looking, I was drafting a fancy team last night. There, there were no A's being taken. I mean, it wasn't really that deep of a league. Murphy, I think, can probably go in most leagues, but Well, I guess Montas got taken, but there's just not a whole lot there. And so, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they end up winning like 73 games, 74 games. But anything above that, I just don't see just because not only are they bereft of star talent, but also 
ownership in the front office has pretty much told them that they don't care about winning this year. So unless Mark Kotze has some just crazy tricks up his sleeve, I don't see this becoming some sort of, you know, plucky, lucky story where they're going to just be, you know, oh, we're going to beat the odds and yada, yada, yada. Like, I I, I think it's really going to be a struggle this year. Also, and I don't really know if this is a huge deal, but there's going to be no fans at the Coliseum this year. I mean, other than the Giants games and maybe the fireworks nights, there's going to be under 2,000 fans multiple occasions this year. The season ticket holders have had it because they raised these ticket prices by like 60% across the board. I mean, people who were paying 1600 last year were asked to pay 2700 this year for a vastly inferior product. So yeah, usually I agree that the A's will just blow away everyone's expectations and they're sort of like the rays of the West Coast in that behalf. But this year, I don't see it, man. I, I, I see a 100-loss team at this point. Damn. Damn, A's. Come on, man. And no fans at the Coliseum. <laughs> hey, Steve, it's always fun talking to you, man. It's always fun catching up. Uh, we'll definitely uh, uh, get in contact with you again. I think the Giants and the A's play uh, sometime in May, pretty early this year, a two-game set. So we'll get together and we'll talk then. But uh, thanks so much, man. Appreciate your work and uh, enjoy the, the outlook on this season. Thanks, Adam. Looking forward to it. Oh, boy, it could be a grim season for the Oakland A's, and it is a shame. You do feel bad for the fans, but uh, don't feel bad for John Fisher, and I I don't blame any fan who decides they're not going to go out there and put money uh, into that owner's pocket when he's not spending it on the product on the field. But you let all the A's fans know, plenty of room on the San Francisco Giants bandwagon. I'm joking, I'm joking, only half joking. Thank you to Steve Berman. Thank you to Brian, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. About a week into the season, we'll talk to you on Wednesday and then again on Friday as we head into the first Giants road trip of 2022. All that in the days and weeks ahead. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then.